0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our Balance and Wellbeing podcast, the first of this year, starting the new year afresh. You're spending this time with Sam Eddy. Sam's an executive career coach and counsellor, and myself, Katie Walls. I've got a background in complementary healing and human resource management.
1: Diet, exercise, losing weight, spending too much money.
0: But you know what? Living in today's world, it's not easy
1: and I guess that's what I was trying to do this year myself when I took some time out to slow down.
0: So really looking forward to opening this segment up to everyone and just to discussing overall how we can support our well-being, our relationships, feeling better within ourselves and more charged, I suppose, having more capacity for the things that we would like to do and more space and time for those aspects in life. Um, So, Sam, how's the start to the new year been for you?
1: Well, it's been great, actually. I had a nice break over Christmas down the beach, which was very nice, just to get a bit of wellbeing time in, just to slow down. And I'm trying to focus this year actually on, on not going crazy, sort of being really conscious of not stepping back into the rat race, so to speak. So it's been a really nice start and it's great to be back here talking to everyone again about wellbeing and talking about all the things that we try and do when we make commitments for the new year, those new year's resolutions. So yeah, it's just great to be back and, and talking with you again, Katie, as always.
0: Yeah, I've been looking forward to it. So you were just saying before, Sam, um, when we were just reflecting on on this time that we've got, um, that you've just been making a few observations. I'd love to hear a bit more about that.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, I thought I would sort of, you know, do a bit of Googling. Um, <laughs> go to the trusted Google do. resource, <laughs> as you do. <laughs> yeah. And just reflect on what what are the sort of the top 10 news resolutions that people make, and look, this is not a definitive list. It was just from a survey that I found someone had completed it online, but they seemed to resonate with me, and they're often what we hear the chatter about anyway. Um, so I'll just list them off. They were the first, and this is sort of in order of, of the most people who made these news resolutions. So the first one was diet. Second one was exercise. Third one was lose weight. Um, the fourth one was save more, spend less money. The fifth one was a new, generate a new skill or hobby. Six was quit smoking. Seven get a new job. Drink less was number eight, and spend more time with family and friends was number nine. And I just didn't write down what number ten was, but I just thought it was really interesting because. I just sort of wondered why and we I think you mentioned, Katie, then we had a bit of a chat before as we always do, but mm. the, the top three diet, exercise, lose weight, and actually even number four, save more, spend less. I just thought why is it that these are so common? Why is it that we go to diet? Why is it that exercise falls off during the year? Why is it that we're not eating nutritious foods always? We're often going to the sugars sort of to get by day to day. We're kind of in survival mode where often when we're tired or busy, we spend more on things we don't want. We make those impulse purchases. So we're not helping ourselves from a financial perspective either. And to my mind, it was really stress has got to be underlying it from a well-being perspective or it's got to be involved in some of it. often when we're busy, tired and stressed, it can kind of eat away at all these things. So then diet, exercise, losing weight, spending too much money, they can kind of be symptoms as opposed to necessarily the underlying problem. Often we're tempted to jump to food is the problem or I'm not getting enough exercise, that's the problem, I'm too heavy or I want to lose some weight. So they're kind of, to my mind at least, represent the symptoms and they're really good reminders to then tackle the underlying problem and what their New resolutions were. What do you think is behind your New Year's resolution? Is there anything, perhaps at a deeper level or a more holistic level, that might be underpinning some of these resolutions that we're making? Um, as a reminder, you know, if you've got any questions, do put them in. We've got a small group, so you know, we should be able to get to all your questions if you do have any. And we'd love to hear your thoughts and how your New Year has been, or your start to the New Year has been as well. But Katie, you were talking about. Um, having a little holistic wellbeing, which I thought tied really nicely into into this stuff.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I feel the point you've made, Sam, is super important and just to give it a little bit more space. And that's where often the criticism pattern comes in because we'll go, you know what, I've said I'm not going to eat potato chips, as an example, and then you get stressed or, or you find yourself eating them. And then the next day you go, oh, you know the what, I'm really packet. sad. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, no, no. the packet just opened and I had to eat them. And, and then the next day you, you do it and it's like, oh, I'm frustrated. I don't even have the willpower to say no to that when I know it's not supporting me and I really want to let it go. So we focus on the behaviour but we're, we're not getting underneath it exactly as you're saying to go, why is it when I really don't want to do that? and I feel the effects of it afterwards and it makes me tired and lethargic or I get a rush from the salt, or whatever it happens to be, why do I keep doing it? So there's a tension that's been built up in the body that we're overriding and not addressing and then we're going to our vice, be it chocolate, be it potato chips, be it sabotaging exercise and and instead, you know, watching TV or whatever it happens to be. So it feels like it would be really cool going forward, you know, this year. To understand that we are going to have peaks and troughs. We are going to have times when we're more motivated and not. And that's due to the pressure and tension of day to day living. So that's a factor. So why get hard on ourselves when we happen to be in a, in a trough, happen to be in a trough, rather than going, okay, what am I perhaps not addressing or where is the tension mainly coming from? And you might be surprised. You might think it's from your deadlines or you might think it's from something else, but it could be as simple as I'm feeling tension in my relationship and I'm not having a conversation that I need to know to address the things that are really annoying me right now. And therefore, we're just using chocolate chips or whatever behaviour it happens to be to try and reduce the tension. So I love what you're offering um, in relation to that. So then that leads into going yeah okay so let's build that relationship of well-being because we focus on our relate. we give time for a relationship with our kids with our partner with our friends with our colleagues whatever our dynamics are but do we actually go you know what i'm going to give a little bit of the space to evaluate my well-being what i'm finding hard where i'm struggling and therefore then see what where things are realistically at then we can go into okay what would support me
1: oh yes i mean These are such important points because it's so easy to get lost and to go to these escapes, go to the chips to kind of or eat the chips or the the fatty or the sugary foods, whatever it may be, to try and deal with these things. But it it kind of requires, and you keep talking about space, I think that's so important, Having trying to find space in your life to be able to, have a holistic look at this stuff. And I guess that's what I was trying to do this year myself. When I took some time out to slow down over Christmas, I was really conscious of just trying to not step back in the rat race to the same at the same pace, just because I knew that if I did that, I'd be less likely to maintain that state of well-being. To really because I think it's about constantly creating space in your life. So that you're doing more of what you love you can see these things that we list down um, as when you use resolutions typically as symptoms of a of a of something that we need to tackle underneath or an opportunity to really tackle them and that's why they can be hard to change because often we're not looking at them as a symptom we're looking them we're tackling them as the specific problem and it gets really reductive in how we approach it and then we can get sort of we start to then fight ourselves over these different things that we're trying to achieve because it's, um, it, we're sort of scratching at the surface a little bit, if that makes sense, Katie.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And if you just acknowledge that, you know what, living in today's world, it's not easy and and it's, you know, there, there are distinct pressures and, and things are escalating, even parenting and bringing up kids. Today there's so much tension with all of the vices and the bombarding that the kids get. We feel that as parents. You know, no one wants that. No one wants that environment in the playground or no one wants the escalating, escalation in video games, gaming and then the tension that brings into the family. You know, you've got your work stuff that you've got to deal with and you've got general parenting stuff and then you've got modern society stuff that then impacts as well. But, you know, do we then realise that, well, our bucket keeps getting full and fuller and fuller and if we're not going deeper, with our nurturing and our support for ourselves, then we will be looking at more things to reduce that tension. And there'll be things that we know aren't actually going to be supportive. They work for what half an hour or an hour or whatever. And then again, you're feeling the tension. So you can numb yourself with sugar, last for a little while and then actually feel worse than before. So sometimes we actually don't want to acknowledge the amount of tension that is in our life because then we have to feel what's going on for us and feel more of what's going on for other people. But if we do that in the view of, but you know what, I'm actually going to support myself more, then it's not such a huge thing. Then you actually love it. Like the other day, I, I started feeling more of where attention was that I needed to address, and it was great. It was the first time that I went, wow, that's so super cool. That's not a problem at all. That That's just great because I didn't realise that that was getting in the way, and then it was really clear what needed to happen so that that wasn't there. And then it shifted really clearly, quickly by addressing it and and putting in place what was needed. Um, Interesting
1: you say that, Katie. I mean, that just reminded me of myself. And I was, I think I was on a phone call. I was working on something and I had been a bit busier than normal over the, the previous few days. I was enjoying the work I was doing, but it kind of had switched over into... I need to get this done versus, oh, I'm just really enjoying the process. And afterwards, I was reflecting on what I was doing. I was feeling the tension, but I realized my jaw was had been clenched the whole time. (laughs) So I could really, when you sort of said you can feel that you felt the tension for yourself, that just reminded me that I was, you know, on one level, I could argue, I'm enjoying the work I'm doing. This is great. I'm getting excited, but a bit of adrenaline and fear had sort of switched in.
0: Yeah. And then I, my
1: body was like feeling and I'm like, oh, OK. Just yeah. so to get up, go for a walk, reset um, yeah. and reprioritise and then create that space. Because when that tension in the body, it's such a good reminder, isn't
0: it? Yeah. And there's so much going on in our bodies, but we're just so head focused that we're not reading it. And we're not feeling it. And your body's like, oh, can you just work with me? I was exactly the same as you a few days ago. I could feel for the first time this tension in my knees. It's like they were locked in position. And I went, I'm not feeling scared or I'm not, you know, and, yeah. and then I <laughs> yeah, and then it kind of surprised me like what's going on? But my body's telling me that something is going on, even though I haven't been feeling it. And just by acknowledging that, then I got to feel we've been, my family went through quite a difficult three months period. And I could just feel there was still a momentum of bracing myself um, from that. And again, you just acknowledge it didn't didn't disappear overnight, but it is reducing because I'm going, hey, I don't I don't want to carry that around in my body. Don't want that to be there. Um, and then I felt a bit more joy coming back even though I didn't feel I wasn't being joyful, but it shifted and you could feel the effect of conversations with people and stuff like that. So it's something so simple that we're talking about but it's super gold because, yeah, your body is the best teacher that there possibly Mm. can be.
1: And isn't it funny how observant the mind is? And I think this gets to, we may talk about this in a bit, but how come we can't actually... Make the changes we want isn't the mind very clever even though you said you were sensing something in your body's intention and perhaps with me the other day too my mind was like oh no i'm fine i'm enjoying this it's yeah. all good and so it's so easy for the mind to come in like you know that's sort of maybe the ego whatever we want to call it yeah. coming in going no no you're fine that no, push through or it's everything's fine just you know yeah. something else must be going on and So it's so easy and it's pretty normal. So if anyone is listening and is experiencing that too, it is normal for the mind to do that. But I guess part of this is about how do we maintain conscious awareness and we have a good question on this. And the question is, um, I think it tends to be easy to get lost on the goals for the year while trying to balance everything. While I don't have any years resolutions, I do have constant goals that are applied to a busy life Sorry, that once applied to a busy life tend to get lost in the background. How do we stay conscious of goals? So, how is it, I guess, Katie, that we stay conscious and I feel everyone the voice of doubt take over and and you know direct us to sort of the habits that we want to change. How do we create the space? I think space consciousness go hand in hand. I mean, what do we do?
0: Yeah. So everyone feels what you've just described. So great, thank you for opening the question up, and I. I've worked with other people with this and also I'll be open with my own experiences is the level of stubbornness that we can have often is far greater than what we realize and This question to me links swing with the comment you made Sam about we push through And we do we push through so much because we're not brought up and it's not a fault of our parents They weren't brought up this way as well to you know have an environment that can feel when you're not quite yourself and go, you know what, honey, you've come home from school I can feel there's something on your mind. Or we may have had various degrees of this, but generally is an upbringing to be supported to connect with your body, feel what's going on and then to be able to then pinpoint very easily when you're not yourself or when you've been disturbed by something or when you've taken something on You've taken a stress around you or someone else's problem, you've taken that on because those are things that we then, because we haven't been brought up that way, we naturally bring our focus to and we absorb what's going on around us and we're not putting us first. We're not putting that relationship with our body, with ourselves first. And if we did start doing that, and that's what these podcasts are allowing the space for people to reprioritize what's important because there's nothing selfish about that because then you're actually more accessible to everyone around you and hence it's kind of like a retraining with that focus aspect to go you know what I'm not compromising me that way and because sometimes we lack doubt we lack confidence we're not coming from who we are to the level that we can we then do Compromise ourselves in many different situations, work, family, whatever it is. So then we come used to the focus being directed on things that don't necessarily support us. So by acknowledging those patterns and acknowledging where we're being stubborn, of well, this is how I present myself to the world. So I've got these expectations and I've just got to fulfill them every day, and it's subconscious. And then we deliver that. We put that pressure on ourselves. Our focus becomes in those areas that are important to us and often they are feeling the fact that we don't have the relationship that we can with ourselves and um, valuing who we are. So those aspects become more important and then our focus naturally goes there. Does that kind of make sense?
1: Oh, my gosh, absolutely. And I I I think you're right. The starting point has to be... Putting yourself first and it's okay to prioritize yourself. I think we had a whole podcast on this last year because it is such a hard thing to do. And as you were saying, society doesn't really allow us to do it. We have to be, you know, an in inverted commas, selfless and look after everyone else first. But clearly we can't. It's impossible if we're not looking after ourselves first to then really look after others. So I think that's critical and and so important. And as you were thinking, as you were speaking, I was thinking, how do we get to prioritise ourselves first? And I guess we have to acknowledge that there's a reason why we want to change. So we have to slow down as my number one rule just to try and get some space and perspective. So if there are resolutions that we want or things that we want to change in our life, we have to sort of slow down first and going back to what we were saying at the start of the conversation around, you know, Finding out if there's tension in our bodies, finding out where stress is, finding out why what are the consequences of of perhaps working too much or eating the foods that we don't want to eat? You know, trying to slow down and just really be honest with ourselves without judgment to go, well, what are the consequences of when I'm you know, getting my sugar fixes having, you know, three glasses of wine versus one a night? What's the consequences? Because if we're aware of the consequences then we're giving ourselves a reason to change, you go, oh, okay, yeah, I feel so much better when I only have one glass of wine at night or I'm not going for the sugary kick at morning tea, for example. So if we, the only way we can do that is to slow down initially so we can get some perspective, give ourselves a reason for change. So we're bringing ourselves into conscious awareness of our goals and then the reasons why. I think that goes to... Part of what the question is talking about as well. The second thing I would say is we need reminders and anchors. And I can not remember if I've talked about this, Katie, but I always talk about anchors. So if you've done the first bit, you go, okay, I'm slowing down. I can see how some of the things I'm doing aren't serving me. But we, and if you want to, if you make a commitment to change, it's about, okay, well, how do I have anchors in my life? And reminders, so it could be simple as a calendar reminder to give yourself half an hour to reflect on where you're at each week. Um, so something, or it could be time, an anchor could be time with a friend to talk about this stuff. We don't often talk about well-being with our friends. It's sort of not something that's done with a colleague, whoever it may be, just so you've constantly got anchors in your life, whereby you're tapping back into this spaciousness or this conscious awareness. So you can go, oh yeah, I've sort of gone off track here. I need to maybe do this, this and this to get myself back on track. And it helps you grow and develop in terms of the stuff that you want in your life. And I always talk about the third thing being downtime. So we've obviously got to, it's good to analyze and reflect on our lives, but it's also important just to disconnect from work, disconnect from the family sometimes, family life can get busy. So if it's exercise that you enjoy doing, reading books, um, you know, going to the movies, whatever it is where you have downtime and can disconnect your brain, give your brain a rest from the over analysis and thinking, that's also really useful to bringing you back to conscious awareness. Someone talked about, um, can't remember who it was, I was listening to a podcast the other day and I talking about why is it that when we stop being kids, we no longer play as much. So what what is it that you do to play and have fun? Mm. I think that is also so important to bring in balance when we're trying to make the changes we want because often we can get so locked into trying to make change, it becomes a chore and then we don't do it. Whereas if we're incorporating play, fun, just having a good time, and that's really important as well.
0: Mm, absolutely. And on that note, it, it, it's actually so important because I don't know if people can rel- relate to this, but if we just look at kids and if you don't have your own children, you're around children and have the opportunity to help parent um, any kids in our lives, but they so respond to that playfulness, which indicates that's part of our essence. It's not an age thing. It's something kicks in often that when we get to a certain age or a certain level of responsibility, well, this is how I need to be. this is what I need to reflect in this role, or as a mum, as a dad. And I definitely can feel times where I just it actually annoys me because I feel I'm too serious. And it's just like, you know sometimes you can feel like you're a bit of a wet blanket. Um, I might just be speaking <laughs> for myself, but maybe I'm a later, <laughs> going out the <laughs> limb
1: <here> <laughs> and, and if we have that
0: feeling, then what do we do about it? If if it's like, oh, gosh, life just feels so serious and life just feels mundane and it feels like Groundhog Day, and even though I enjoy aspects and I enjoy my kids or I enjoy aspects of my work, work, I have to lug myself out of bed, blah, 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 then we're obviously taking life too serious. Because if playfulness and, and fun and joyfulness is part of our essence, which it is because you, you can see that in kids, it's not an age thing. It's just that we take things on in life that then we're not, you know, we're feeling the weight, etc. When we have those moments of going, wow, life feels a bit boring or a bit serious or I feel a bit serious, how about we stop and go, okay, there's part of me, part of my essence that I'm not allowing. And then Sam, with what you're saying about creating space, if we're so jammed full with tension, there is no space to be joyful mm-hmm. because all you feel is responsibility of what you've got to do and you feel the weight of that. And then we can say to ourselves, well, I'm so busy, yeah, the concept of creating space, that's great and I want that, but I don't have space in my life to have space. So then we've got to stop and go, how have we been living so that we've created such a condensed situation in our body? Because if we don't do something about it, sickness and disease is around the corner. Because our body's so gorgeous that it goes, you might want to continue living that way and be stubborn, but I'm not going to. So then we'll get an ailment or you'll get headaches from the tension, frustration, etc. Or you'll, you know, your blood blood levels won't be right, or your cholesterol or your heart, you will start having an impact because we haven't listened to all those messages from the body. So, a big stumbling block that people often get to, and I can definitely relate to this, is going, I'm too busy not to, you know, not to keep going the way that I'm going. But then we've obviously got identification. And this is the point that I wanted to bring in, because there are definitely things that we can let go of to create space. But do we want to do that? Do we want to keep that real with ourselves, right? And go, and I've had to do that recently because there's been a change in work and a change in requirements. So I had to go, okay, I've got to completely get myself out of the way here and actually feel what's needed for this next year. And in that, it was so liberating because you get to then feel what's actually needed. It becomes like a bigger picture thing. And then you also get to see aspects that you didn't even realise that you were identifying with and go, oh, wow. But when you work through that, it's like, cool, I've got all this space for what is actually needed now. So I just wanted to offer that.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. Uh, and I love what you say about let go of and that, what that made me think. There's the words false truths came up. Mm. Uh, in terms of often we have things that we know we probably need to let go of, but on, on perhaps not when we're more conscious. But when we get busy and we've been perhaps having habits or ways of being for so many years, often people talk about these habits, patterns of behavior, because we have taught our bodies, or our, you know, often they talk about the subconscious mind being locked in the body a little bit too, in terms of being, um, how it directs our life. Um, when we have these habits that we've formed and patterns over many years, we've effectively told our bodies that we need them in our life. So, it can generate what I call these false truths. So, if you then try and change something in your life that you've been doing for years and years and years, the body can go into a bit of chaos because it's going, Hang on, Sam, you've done, you've been having your donut at 10 a.m. on a, you know, on a work day every day, and now you're going to stop this. You've trained me, you've tricked me into thinking that I need it, and now you're stopping it. So, the body will go into, Bit of chaos. It's doing what it thinks it needs to to keep you back on track, and that's why, in my mind, it can be really tough to try and let go of things or or make changes because our body literally goes into a bit of chaos, and then the mind comes in. Those symptoms we get, the tension in the body, the rush of adrenaline fuels then the voice of doubt, which comes over the top and says, "Oh no, no, no! You don't need to be doing that. Just one donut, be fine. Or just do it. Just do it today. You can change tomorrow." And before you know it, you're lost. So even with the best will and the best intention, it's these false truths fueled by the tension in the body that kind of bluff us or trick us into not being able to let this stuff go. And I think that is really important if you're listening and you're trying to make changes or you might be able to Reflect on this in the past of stuff that you've tried to change that you haven't done I think that survey that I was talking about before talked about only eight percent of people are successful in making the changes They want in terms of news resolution. So I suspect it's when we have these choice points Where we're trying to go down the new road, but the old road our body is screaming at us to take the old road That's why it can be so hard Um, And if you're listening and you've got any questions, or if you've got any new resolutions you, you're trying to make, we'd love to hear them. Or if you've struggled with any of this and love to know your experience or things that you've tried in the past that haven't worked. Because I think often we sort of know the things, some of the things that we want to do, but it's those choice points and the false truths that make it really difficult to try and change. And the body is kind of central to that. We talk about willpower being in the mind. And not having enough willpower to make the mental or to think differently. But it's also what is the body doing to fuel us or to try and hold us back into old ways of being, which can be so powerful.
0: Absolutely. So, yeah, please add your questions, anything that's come up to you, anything you want to explore more, add them and and we can work with that. And, um, Sam, you've mentioned a few times willpower and it just just made me um, remember the last few sessions with clients, that's been quite a theme and people saying my willpower doesn't work anymore. I used to have great willpower but it's not enough anymore. So in the examples I was giving before when you say, you know what, I'm not going to be eating the, the potato chips and people that, and again, this has just been quite common, especially in the last few weeks, that have really noted it and spoken about it saying, yeah, it just doesn't work anymore so in that our body is asking us to go deeper and that's one example you may have felt things that used to work for you that are no longer working anymore so again it's it's like okay i've just got to go deeper with addressing what we were previously saying about what's the source of attention you may surprise yourself it may be something else than what you think it is and just being aware of where we're stubborn where we'll get to a certain point and then it's like, oh, I just don't want to go forward. And just by clocking that and going, wow, yeah, I didn't realise I was so stubborn with that or I feel I'm the only one that can do that and I'm not delegating or I'm not sharing those responsibilities in my family or whatever it happens to be, you know, at the point where I could feel a whole new level of stubbornness. And then I said to the kids, I really can feel I'm stubborn with that. And they looked at me and went, Yeah, right, absolutely. And you're only realizing that now? <laughs> and then I'm like, Oh, we could have told me. And they're like, We tried, but you're too stubborn. <laughs> so it was oh, just well. cold. Yeah, it was gold. So now yeah, and then you can you can see a whole lot more. But often we're we're just fighting ourselves. Yes, there's pressures coming from outside, etc., but the expectation that we have, that's a really good one to unpack and go, you know, is it realistic for one? What I'm asking myself of day to day, is it too much for one person? Um, yeah. Or have I got fears about letting go of certain aspects about what might happen? And just have those conversations. Is there anything, any questions or anything that have, has, have come up um, at all? Yeah,
1: yeah. We just had a question come in then. So thank you um, to the person who has posted this. Um the question is, what is the best tip you can give us to achieve a balance or balance a balanced life, I guess, with a toddler? So maybe Katie, I'll throw that to you. Yeah. <laughs> I remember asking
0: that question too. I suppose with that looking back, I've got three kids, they're they're all late teenagers now. If I have my time over again, I would have included, I suppose, the kids a bit more with if I felt like having a rest, then creating that space with them so that they're learning how to do that as well. So that whatever your body is feeling, that's a great way of going, okay, well, their body's gonna be feeling it as well. They might not be feeling it right now. But if I model that I'm focusing and responding to what is needed for myself, then you're naturally parenting them Quite often we'll put a hat on as a parent and we go into a responsibility of what we have to do. But what if we take that parent hat off and we just live what feels true to us? We're actually being a far greater role model and a teacher as a parent. So often we'll put the child first and all their needs, etc. but if we're not leaving ourselves behind, their needs will automatically get met because we're sensing, we're sensing what's needed. Is there anything else with that question? No.
1: Yeah. no. Well, yeah, I mean, I was just going to say I think, I think you're right spot on. Putting yourself first is is key because, as you say, you know, when you do put yourself first, you're taking care of yourself, then you have the space for your kids, No, really, no matter what age. So I think that's, you know, great advice. And, and the person has just said thank you for that advice, Katie. So that's great. I was just going to also add that. Kids are often a mirror, aren't they, of how you are. So the more stressed and busy they are, often it can be a reflection of how you are as a parent. Definitely. A lot of the work I do with clients is very much around this. So it, often um, people talk about if kids have behavioural problems, obviously well, you know, this is a generalisation, but if kids are you know, running a mark or whatever, often it can, it's an opportunity to go, well, how's life looking overall? I had a client, for example, I'm not saying this is reflective of the questioner, but I had a client talking about how one of the young kids was who had who had been toilet trained, but it was bedwetting at night, for example. And then we talked about it and then when we, as opposed to looking at a, I guess the problem being the bedwetting, when we talked about it, we looked at the whole life that was going on and life had gotten really busy, there'd been lots of changes parents weren't spending enough time with the kids. So there was extra stresses. And when we talked about it, reflect on it again, without judgment, because it's, it's a judgment and blame can really um, inhibit these conversations, these open conversations. Um, it was found that they just needed a bit more stability to spend more time with their kids, particularly the one who was bedwetting. Um, and so it was just, again, a symptom or an opportunity to go, well, hang on, what are we doing overall? Am I racing around? you know, trying to get to work, pick up kids and I'm not spending the time, I'm not creating a calm environment at home, for example. And then these things can be opportunities. So I think it's it's always good just to reflect when life gets busy and kids are, um, are sort of maybe, you know, giving us opportunities or reminders that we need to slow down is really important because often, especially with young kids, we're trying to fit them into that rigid existence where we've got to be at work at nine to five, we've got to be here by this time, we've got to go meet friends at this time, whereas kids, particularly young kids, are on their own time frame. Uh, and toddlers, I guess, are moving from, um, in, in, moving in between doing young babies to sort of little kids. So it's kind of, they're trying, to transitioning, they're growing and developing all the time. So that can obviously be complicated. I think, and Katie might know this better than me, we have a, do we have a, a podcast specifically on toddlers?
0: um i know there's one on teens i Team. feel there was a toddler, but i i yeah i'm not too sure um, but yeah, definitely look, interested yeah. email parents at work and they'd be able to give you links to whatever is available cuz i'm sure there's there's things that have been covered great suggestions Sam. yeah
1: and if you've got um access to your portal to the word parents at work portal um through your workplace then you might be able to you can probably have a look at all the podcasts that are available as well so that's another option
0: yeah, I'm sure there'd be different things that have been covered and then yeah, when great you were, question.
1: sorry yeah, when,
0: no adding on from what you were saying Sam and this goes into this question and the question beforehand is where you know where have we got it that at a certain age or stage in life we should have it all together because it's just not true. We're always learning. <laughs> <laughs> where did yes. that come from? Like, okay, you go Pretty to school by 18, you know, you should have it all together. Like, jeez. So I only just clocked that from us all talking and, and the questions that that's the way we live as adults. You know, that's where the pressure comes on. Why, you know, I shouldn't ask this question or I might look like an idiot if I say this or I might not look, you know, like I've got it all together or competent if I do that. We're actually designed to learn until our last breath. Our cells are responding to everything around us all the time. So I just felt how we can accelerate so much more if we actually let go of that and start being more true to what we're actually feeling and learning from each other because we can learn so much from kids you know, that, that haven't been indoctrinated yet to turn that aspect of feeling complete within themselves off Etc., so that they can still keep asking questions and learning, etc. And you learn so much from how they approach life and their wisdom. Yet, we think that we're the ones imparting on kids. Whereas, if we have a relationship where we're respecting no matter what age or stage we're at, we've got a huge amount to offer each other, then you'll approach things that way. But not only will you help yourself with developing, but you also provide a platform for anyone else to go. Oh gee, I love it how open that person is like that. Or they, you know, they didn't quiver when they were exposed with something. They just went, you know what, I don't know that. Well, yeah, does anyone know the answer to that, etc.? So that's a good one to knock on the head to say we're designed to learn to our last breath.
1: That's so true. And it it reminded it made me think of being too future-focused, as you sort of said, you know, you know. When do we get it all right? We will be happy when we're, you know, 40 or 50 or 60 or when will it all be right? I love what you're saying because it takes our mind into the future and stops us enjoying the journey and that's where a lot of stress can come in because we're always looking to the next thing.
0: Mm. So it's
1: never, It's harder to enjoy the journey and enjoy what's happening right now enjoying the time with the babies or the toddlers or the teens or at work or doing the exercise we love or spending time with family and friends. So I think that's such a good reminder because the more we can enjoy the journey and just enjoy the moment we're in from a mindfulness perspective and that goes to be conscious and creating space, we can start to really enjoy the journey that we're on and and the outcome matters less. We're not too fixed. On all these specific outcomes, all these things that we must achieve. It's great when we achieve them, we can enjoy them. But if we don't achieve them, then it, it takes the sting out of it because we're just enjoying the journey as much as possible. So I think that's a really great reminder.
0: And it greatly supports our focus, all those aspects that you've highlighted. Because if we're, if we're going about our day to day like that, we're more in the moment. We've taken off a lot of pressure and we're more in the moment to go what's needed okay, if I haven't got the skills that are needed for this, no problem, I'll learn them rather than oh, I wish I had them or I should have had them or I feel, you know, I feel a bit exposed here because I don't have them. It's like whatever's well, happened in your career thus far hasn't required that. Great, you've got an opportunity now. So are we going to go into reaction and doubt or are we going to go, you know what, I can Google that, I can find that out, I can ask someone, so no problem at all. And then that reduces the tension so yeah the, the focus is more available to be there and what's needed.
1: One of the um, one of our listeners has just sort of put the word mindfulness again so I suspect that you know it's, it's another good reminder of what we're talking about isn't it sort of being really mindful and in the present moment. Um, I was in, in that sort of along those lines I was going to sort of mention from a new year's resolution perspective or setting goals for the new year, I often talk about setting intentions versus specific goals. I know from a corporate perspective, often we talk about smart goals or objectives and they're very, really specific and measurable, et cetera. And I think that works well from a corporate perspective. But in terms of personal goals, I often talk about, can we set a higher intention? So instead of saying I'm gonna change my diet, or I've got to exercise more or I've got to lose weight Can we set a more general intention that we want to you know Strive towards this year to improve our overall well-being to reduce tension in the body To be able to spend more time with the people we love To get a bit of balance and if we have that general intention and we've taken the time to really slow down think about it think about what we want what's working for us or what's not working for us, then we can create these clear intentions, but we're not necessarily fixed on the how. So if we go, okay, well, one of the ways to um, maybe get more energy in my life is to change some of the foods I'm eating. So it, it might you might do some dietary stuff, but if that doesn't work straight away, it doesn't matter because you're still fixed towards your intention. So you go, okay, well, I'm going to exercise a bit more as well or I'm just gonna slow down at work, I'm gonna leave work a bit early on you know, this day a week to spend more time with family and friends. and That might reduce stress, which means that then it's easier to eat the foods you want to eat. So having those clear intentions means it doesn't matter if something specific, one of the, the goals or the, the specific tactics you use to get to that intention, it doesn't matter as much if they don't work because then you can try something else, but you're you've made a real conscious commitment with, a, with an overarching intention, but it's not going to set you up for failure, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. And it's just such a bigger picture as well. And what what helps with that because then you're not sweating the small stuff as much. And then again, with what we were saying earlier, there's less room for criticism because you, you've got a bigger focus and it can shift with what's needed. And, and appreciation has a huge part to play as well so we can get a little bit obsessive sometimes with the aspects that we want to shift and change but what about reflecting on the last year that you've had and really clock the developments that you've made be it in your relationships be it in your career um where you know you've changed behaviors that have really supported because that's not easy and time and effort's gone into that so really appreciating that and going great that's a foundation because I'm in a different place than what I was two, three, four years ago because of what I worked with with that. And, it, you know, it's the small stuff clocking where you've held back from someone, something that, you know, they could react to, but it's really getting in the way of your relationship. If you actually express that, that's huge. It's absolutely huge, especially if you've had a pattern where you've resisted and avoided um, that certain aspect. Mm. So by doing that then it, it brings our focus more to appreciating what we have achieved and that momentum then to continue that as well rather than just the negative or the other aspects in life.
1: Yeah, that's great stuff, Katie. Um, we've got a, another question and I guess it, it perhaps it's a, a part of you know, making the changes we want in life and, and, and how do we do it when there's other influences at home that perhaps are, are making stress high? And the question is, um, how do you deal with a former partner being the stressor, particularly with emerging differences in parenting ideas and styles? So I guess if you're oh, wanting sorry. to make some changes, maybe with kids, parenting arrangements, whatever, to sort of create the life that you want, how do, how does it work when someone else has perhaps got different ideas and you've yeah. got to still work with the What do you do?
0: That's such a common one and, and we can use that even, you know, in general relationships as well when there's a difference there. One I feel first is identifying that there is a difference and embracing it. So it's like, you know what, this is the person that I chose to have kids with. In this example, we had kids. We've got a responsibility to parent together even if I don't agree with what my ex-partner is doing and how they're presenting, my kids are watching me all the time to see how I'm responding. And we're not perfect and it's going to push buttons and it's not easy um, because it is a co-parenting relationship, et cetera, and you may not be on the same page. Or even if you're still in a relationship, you can be on very different pages with um, parenting. And we can use this example with all relationships. So one, going, I've got something to learn here from this person because they're pushing all my buttons, or I'm feeling the tension. So I'm going to be naturally developing by how I interact with them. And not only that, my kids have got an example of working with people that we may not be on the same page about. So it's a huge opportunity. Not easy, but huge Ooh. And some days are going to be better than others. But if you go, well, you know what, there is kind of like a karmic element, so to speak, that we're in each other's lives. I did make that commitment. I may have evolved in a different way or am on a different page, but we can absolutely make this work if I work on my reactions. And then if the other person's not working on their reactions, that's their stuff. But you're doing that bit. And by you doing that for yourself, supports you and the kids a huge amount and also provides a platform for them to see how it can be done if they want to do that as well. What about you, Sam? What's your feeling?
1: Well, I mean, I I agree with everything you just said there. I think it's great to acknowledge that there is a difference. Often we sort of try and pretend there's not, and we think it has to be perfect. So I think that's great. And knowing that this is normal and it's hard sometimes is great too, because you can take a bit of the pressure off yourself. If it is if you're finding it stressful to deal with, these differences in parenting styles or relationships more generally. So I think that's that's really spot on. I think um, it, it's such a good question because it touches on a lot of the stuff I've talked about today. I think if you're prioritizing yourself and you're prioritizing your own well-being and your karma in yourself, then those interactions you have with the former partner, for example. You're more, you're less, you're going to be less reactive. Katie, you talked about triggers and so knowing, you know, pushing buttons. I think you said, you know, they will push your buttons, but the, if you've been, you know, disconnecting from work and disconnecting from family, sometimes I had some time out for yourself. Your nervous system's getting a break, your mind's getting a break, so you're less likely to then react when someone's pushing your bottom buttons, and you're going to get a better outcome. You're also more likely to be able to. You talked about opportunity, Katie see where someone else is coming from. So if your partner's being on a practical level, perhaps difficult or unreasonable, you might, if with a clear mind and an internal sense of calm, you're probably gonna be able to see what their motivation is and go, okay, I don't agree with that, but I get why they're doing it. They're feeling insecure perhaps, they're feeling fear, they're, they're, they're probably coming from a good place in some regard. They're trying to you know, um, shore up their family, you know, Get the kids the outcomes the that they want for their kids but when we can show understanding for someone else's perspective again like you said Katie we don't have to agree with it but we might we're, we're, we're able to let things go and we talked about letting things go We can go okay well that's not a big deal I probably wouldn't do it that way but I can let it go because I get why they're doing it and I'm just gonna let them have this and you're not then taking it on afterwards so I think that idea of really Being calm, we talked about mindfulness, having a mindful approach to life is so powerful. And you find that if there is tension or if there's arguments that take place, if things escalate, the more mindful you are, often you're not providing fuel to people's fire. So it's very difficult for people to get agitated with you. And I find this generally, the more mindful I am, you tend to find yourself in less Conversations, uh, relationships, or whatever it may be, whereby there's tension, and then you're butting heads. Because you're mindful, you're not. You're creating a different energy, and it's very difficult for people to then get worked up when they're around you. So I think, um, you know, I think, you know, I love what you're saying, Katie, and that was sort of just adding to that, really, to trying to yeah. really create an internal calm environment.
0: And what what you're adding with that, Sam, is um, you're setting the stage. It's like, okay, I can't be responsible for what people are doing and I don't want to control people, but I certainly can set the stage and then whoever wants to step onto that stage, it's there. And it it diffuses and it's extremely powerful. Just like you say, if you're doing that, you can feel the ripple and effect that that has on others or or it gives them space to actually feel their behaviour more because you're not adding to it because if the behaviour is off, and then we react to it our behaviors off as well and then that becomes the focus which actually is different to the actual issue that's there it becomes about the reaction rather than the issue and we're very good at distracting ourselves that way and mm. then you know making it about something completely different and then if kids are <laughs> around they're seeing two parents that are just in reaction you know what does that teach them and even just being honest too when you can feel we, we go into those reactions in relationships and if, if there's people around or kids or whatever, just go. You know what? Yeah, I lost it then. Or that wasn't okay how I reacted. But this is what I was reacting to. And then it brings it back to this is what it's about. I didn't go the right way with it. But but let's bring it back so we can discuss what's needed here to hopefully shift what the issue actually is.
1: Exactly. And the more we're in that calm state, and as you say, even if we find ourselves we sort of lost it a little bit, and we you know, say things we don't mean, but the more often we're bringing ourselves back to that conscious awareness and that karma inner state, then, you know, your kids will come to you more, they'll sense that in you because they know you're not in judgment or blame. If there's problems going on, you know, um, when they're spending time with their other parent or partner, whatever it may be, or a former partner, they'll come to you and you can help, as you say, explain what's going on, explain why things happen. Um, yep. And you're you're going to really help your kids in that regard as well by not getting involved in the you know blame and the judgment, just by being that real center of calm for them, so that they can come to you with anything, and then they will be able you will help them give them their perspective on things, um, on your own behavior when we sort of go a little bit funny sometimes, which we all do, we're all human, and then on your mm-hmm. partner's behavior as well without judgment. So I think it's it's such a powerful exactly. tool.
0: Very much so. So we've got a few minutes left. Just wanted to see if there are any more questions that we haven't spoken about.
1: I think there is just one popped in. Um, So thank you for the questions. This is great. Yeah, so we've got one to finish up with, I think. So the question is, when parenting, what is the difference between being loving and being permissive? And how do we distinguish between the two? So I'm guessing if I'm interpreting this right, and please let me know if I'm not, it's in how you loving your child to let them do what they want as opposed to um, Just letting them run free or do whatever they want and, and, and perhaps confusion with that I'm not sure if I've interpreted that right Katie or what you think.
0: Yeah, I'm just wondering I'd love some more information if you can offer if it's um, setting loving boundaries meaning because with what we were talking about before I could feel often, you know, if there's a situation where there is separation sometimes Parents can um, appease kids that don't even realise they're doing it, which isn't necessarily in the best interest of the child. So is that what we're talking about? That um, sometimes we can get a little yes, bit, Yeah. Definitely
1: yeah, something you're with the appeasing
0: thing. Yeah, awesome. So that's that's a very important one and for all parents in whatever dynamic that we're in in our relationships parenting, and you see it so often. Because what it does is it's actually triggering in the parents undealt with things that they haven't healed. So they might've had a parent who was over the top with control. So then going into a reaction of that saying, well, that's not love, I felt very unloved. So therefore going too much to the other side where there's not loving boundaries and it's not the best interest. So often when that happens, it's actually a reflection of how we've been parented and aspects that we're insecure with about ourselves. And as you were talking before, Sam, and with that question, I was re- very much um, sensing and I've I've got friends who have been through separations, etc., and friends who are still in relationships but they have a lot of that going on with their parenting styles. Their kids know they discern and when they get to an yes. age, some of yes. them have come back to their parents and said, you know what, Mum, I liked it when Dad did blah, blah, blah or when Mum did blah, 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 but I know it didn't actually support me and you were always very consistent and a few kids have said that as they've become teenagers or as they've become parents themselves <laughs> and then, I realized yeah. of perspective. That, so even though our kids' behavior, of course they're going to love it if dad goes out, takes some shopping just before dinner time, comes back and they have got a big bag of lollies. You know, they're going to love that and then you're the baddie, so to speak. They're going, you know what, that's not okay. That's, you know, they're not going to eat their dinner, blah, 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 but you know that that's healthy or if mum goes out and ties the kids out and then comes back and they're all, you know, exhausted and dad's like, well, you know what? That was too much for them in one day. Whatever it happens to be, know that you do know what is supportive And and we can make mistakes with that, absolutely, but your best intentions are there to provide what's best for the child and they may not be able to feel that, but it's like we have to be bigger than that and go, you know what, that's my job. And whether you like it or not, that's okay. And I don't need you to confirm me to make me feel good about myself. I'll do that myself to the best of my ability. But I'm definitely here to bring you up to be loving, caring, looking after yourself person. Because then you're going to know how to deal with life.
1: Well, I mean, that's such goal advice because it is tough isn't it i um, trying to yeah. distinguish between you know letting kids do stuff because you love them versus actually you know you know setting some boundaries and i guess i would just add to that that if we're not looking after ourselves then we're going to sound like a broken record here but <laughs> the, the calmer we are the more mindful we are i think you're less likely going to experience the guilt so yeah. if you're busy rushing around you're tired you're more likely going to give in to something that you probably know is not great for your kids. Doesn't matter if it happens, of course, it will happen sometimes. But the busier, the more tired you are, the more likely you're going to do that because perhaps you've been feeling guilty because um, you can't, it's difficult okay. to get perspective. So if you're looking after yourself, you're doing all the stuff that we've talked about today, you're making space in your life, you're going to be able to perhaps enforce those boundaries and it won't even feel like they're being enforced. You'll be able to do stuff from a calm place and your kids, while they might not always like it, they'll sense it that you're coming from a calm place. You're being firm. Um, they might push back a bit, of course, but it won't bother you because you won't the guilt then will come in less, and then you'll have more success. And then if you know your partner does something like you know feeds them a whole lot of sugar, you can be able you be able to more likely be able to smile and go, yeah, okay, fine, as opposed to then get really worried about or worked up about it. So I just wanted to add that little bit. Onto yeah, your that,
0: that's cool. And then um, just adding on to that as well, that um, it provides an opportunity in your relationship with your partner or whoever you're co-parenting with to go deeper as well. Because I know when I, st- I was the one in the house that would go, you know, bad cop, good cop type of thing, but I knew mm. what I was doing and I knew what I was providing and I also knew it was helping my partner to look at his aspects that that's where he's kind of what he was instigating was coming from and he'd react to begin with. But I just kept being really loving with it and, and being consistent with it and saying, look, I'm only offering this to help you and to help them. And then the more I just worked on my reactions, the more he actually appreciated what I was offering and now there's no reaction. And he'll say it to me at times, he'll go, did you notice that you gave in then? That's not like you, what's going on? Or I'll say to him, you know, maybe you're tired and you brought that sugar into the house for you. Saying it's for the kids, they're eating it, you're eating it, but yeah, how come you're tired?
1: And yes. it was a good
0: point. I did.
1: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so, so I mean, it's so well, I, well, honest and uh, you know, confident conversations. I guess that makes me think, Katie.
0: Yeah, it's work in like, Sometimes
1: but... I can get defensive, but that, that's yeah. awesome.
0: Yeah, and then it's it's gold because you you're just helping each other on a whole different level. And then the kids see you doing that and then they've started offering that for us and more open to it too, less reactions. And, and then you go, great, we're working through things that have created that tension that we were talking about earlier on in the in the podcast. So, But you're doing it all together. And if someone's not open to that, no problem. Respect that and just go, that's cool, but I'm not going to hold myself back. And then you'll yes. have people in your lives that will constellate that are saying yes to evolving as well.
1: And look, we're all conscious, more conscious at times than others, and sometimes we'll be more conscious or less conscious than our partner. And I mean, do you think one way to that is if if it, perhaps you're, you're listening, and you're struggling a bit with this, those, those dynamics with your partner, is to sort of, if you've done something that you go, oh, hang on, that probably wasn't really serving, is it is a good suggestion to then go to your partner afterwards, after, was after the, the event has passed and go, look, I've actually noticed I've been really tired at work. I've probably been doing too many hours, and there, I know that's why I gave into, um, you know, giving off the sugar or giving the sweet dessert that I didn't really want to. And so just be honest and a bit vulnerable yourself, mm. so you're kind of starting to change the dynamic, and they're seeing a different side to you and and seeing that you're trying, and but also that you're tired and busy, and they're more likely to go, well, how can I support mm. you? Or do you think that's a way in?
0: Oh, that's gorgeous. Love it, love it. And then, you know, the, yeah, just a whole different level gets presented. So, again, then more joy, more appreciation, more space to focus on what we want to focus on without the niggles getting in the way so much. That's a beautiful place to, to finish today. And um, as we mentioned, um, unless there's anything else, Sam, from your side?
1: No, no, no. Great conversation as always. And, you know, and great to be back to speak to everyone again.
0: Yeah. So you'll get the um, recording of this segment if you want to listen to it again and moving forward we're going to be putting together um, pre-recorded aspects as well and segments and then there's going to be a forum where you can post questions beforehand and have some interactivity as well so there'll be more um, that you'll be notified of moving forward for this year. So thank you very much everyone.
1: Thank you.